off. What is up, guys? It is Stu. It is What the Fuck Gym Talk. And I've got my man, Jeff Bennett, on here. And I'm getting some funky feedback on my mic right now. Mm, let's do this. Hold on a second. There we go. All right. So, um, yeah, I got Jeff on here. And Jeff's coming to us from Columbus, Ohio. I've had the pleasure of working with Jeff uh, with his business. I had the pleasure of hanging out. We've now hung out to hang out in person twice now when I came down to Columbus one time. And then when you yep. came up for the self-made summit and you know, we've been, we, we had planted this podcast a little bit ago and then obviously COVID mania happened and we kind of pushed it back, but I'm glad we got a chance to kick on here. A couple things. Number one, um, I want to talk about, you know, COVID in his gym and how that's, how that's happening. But I, I also want to go at a gym with Jeff because like a lot of you guys, I know a lot of you guys are using this downtime and it's not, it doesn't really feel like downtime. We, I f honestly feel from a gym owner perspective, I'm more involved in it now than I have in, in a while. But a lot of you guys are, you had plans of rebranding or adding low barrier entry options to your CrossFit gym to, to capture a bigger market share, whatever it is, your you know, logo redesign or whatever you're thinking of doing. And right now is an amazing time to do all this stuff when you do have less on-site hours. You might be behind the computer using Final Cut Pro to edit shit more, but you've got some more brain time to sit down and really think about this and then kind of meet with your staff more because you're not taking up with eight to 12 hours of on the floor classes. So I definitely wanted to jam with Jeff on that and, and see uh, and get your perspective because you went through that journey. And I think this would be a really cool story for everyone to hear. Um, do me a favor, brother. Go ahead and uh, give a quick introduction as to who you are and why it's important to the story. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. Um, you know, me and uh, my GMs and everybody are you know, the, uh, the long time listeners and it was fun to work with you, uh, you know, a few years back and continue to kind of have the dialogue, be able to continue on. Uh, so yeah, Jeff Binnick, I own friendship fitness in Columbus, Ohio. We own two locations. Now, uh, we own, uh, two, roughly 10,000 and 11,000 square foot buildings. Um, we own both buildings. Uh, so I know similar to you and we can probably jump into the real estate conversation with that as well. Um, cause that's sort of, that's a big piece of what I want, uh, personally. So I do some personal real estate business and then I do some, uh, professional real estate business as well. And, uh, man, probably about three or four, I guess it was about four years ago. Now, uh, I had sort of that, that moment. And the moment for this was me was we had, um, our coaches were uh, getting married and moving. And these are the guys that I opened the gym with. So I opened the gym with four guys, uh, and, and we were training out of our garage and we all come came back together in Columbus, Ohio at the same time, one from Boston, one from Cleveland and one from Buffalo, uh, New York. And, we all kind of got together and, you know, we're out of bar life and trying to get healthy. And then we started friendship together And around 2015, 16, we were about five, six years into it. And all the stuff that you talk about all the time, it kind of set in, you know, we, we didn't have prospects to really, uh, you know, grow revenue. We weren't really operating as a business. It was very hobby. Uh, we weren't doing personal training. We weren't doing a quality on-ramp program. We weren't thinking about the brand. We weren't doing any of that kind of stuff. Um, and it was very amateur. And these guys both within a year told me that they were going to be uh, moving one to Phoenix, one to New York City. Um, and that for me was like sort of that moment where I went back to my partner Grant and kind of said, there's two ways we can cut this, we can just shut it down and call it, um, or 
we can double down and turn this into a legitimate business and go through hiring practices. And I'll step my game up a little bit more from the managerial ownership standpoint and stop being, um, you know, I guess selfish, uh, is probably the best way to put it. And, uh, and so we decided on, on the ladder and, um, really started to make some, some moves, I would say, um, professionally to start to take this a little bit more seriously. And it's been a fantastic journey. We've, uh, quintupled, so five, you know, five times our, our revenue from that day um, to now. So you guys were essentially, you, you were backed into a corner, right? Like you, those other partners leaving forced you to, to have to man up or shut it down. Right. Right. It's interesting, man. And even in this scenario with COVID and everything, how many people like how much, how much growth happens when you're really just backed up into a corner. And again, you got two, it's a fight or flight response, essentially, right? We have a fight or flight. And if you can fight and make it work, it's like, holy shit, I had that in me the whole time, or I just needed a certain trigger. I need to be in a certain environment. I didn't even know I was capable of that kind of scenario. Um, so with yours, okay. So you, you fight, you get the business on the up and up. And at what point, um, at what point did you start thinking about, because you're, again, in your Columbus, Ohio, and if anyone's never been to Columbus, Ohio, there's just such an OG presence of CrossFit there because yep. of Rogue Fitness. Yep. I really do. You know, I think, I believe that. I give that, you know, a lot of the credit to that culture of the Columbus, uh, you know, CrossFit scene. When was it that you kind of had the idea, and I think it was right or maybe around the time we started working together, but that I, I want to do, I, I, I've got this CrossFit thing, check the box, we're doing that well. Where was the idea for Thrive? And if you could just kind of give a quick, you know, a description to everybody as to what Thrive is. Yeah, right. Um, so I remember that it was, it was actually a moment. It was a day. Uh, so when these two guys left, I, I went back into the business. I mean, I was coaching every class. It was, I became everything. These were my other two and three coaches because uh, Jay was marrying Kristen, who was our third coach. And they were moving to Phoenix uh, to start a gym and um, they were not cold weather people. And so their family ties left Columbus. And so they moved down there and I was coaching. Do they have a gym out in Phoenix now? They do. Yeah. Mint strength. Yep. Um, And so I was coaching a class. It was a Friday afternoon and we were doing every minute on the minute. We were doing one squat snatch building and it was Friday afternoon. And I coached the probably four thirty-five, thirty-six thirty that night. So three back-to-back classes. And we probably had 60 people roll through the gym that night for those classes. And I was just coaching and I got done and there wasn't like one good snatch done. You leave the day feeling like, the, the whole entry process, the whole intro process, everything was screwed up because nobody seemed like they knew what they were doing. Nobody was having fun because they didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. And I'm just like, I am coaching my ass off. I'm like sprinting to the left and right. And I'm like getting people to do drop snatches over here and footwork drills over there. And I'm teaching them with the PVC and grouping people together. And I get done with the three hours and I'm just exhausted. And I come home to my wife who was just dabbling and coaching at the time. And I was like, I was like, something's got to give here. I was like, we got to change everything. Um, And she was like, what do you mean? I go, everything, everything has to change. And I was like, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm going to start just working on restructuring all of it because I can't coach another night like tonight ever again. And so that was- 
did you look at that as like pairing this, like was, did you blame the movement? Did you blame the onboarding process of how you educated people? Did you like, was it round pegs and square holes? What, like what was, the it was all of it. It was, it was all the above. So I started with the low hanging fruit there, which was at the time the entry process. And I overhauled that completely. And that was one of those things where, you know, for me, it was um, a process of looking at what else was out there and who was the best. And at the time, you know, um, Mad Lab Group was doing, um, you know, the the hardcore one-on-one, um, you know, entry program. And so I jumped on that and worked with those guys for a little bit. And that was huge for us. Um, we had a bit of a falling out with those guys really because their, their payment processing wasn't working for us. And we had, uh, we had to end up firing a coach just because there was some conflict of interest and uh, some things that happened around that, that wasn't great for us. Around um, the, the pay, the, uh, compensation model. Right. Got yep. it, so it. their compensation model is very, very, uh, it's a hundred percent commission based basically. Um, and you know, being the name friendship and just sort of the community vibe we had, uh, just some things started to go a direction that wasn't, wasn't what was best. Our, our team wasn't operating as a team. It was almost operating as a bunch of individuals. And, um, that, and, and a lot of that, when you started to break down into individual conversations was due to the way the compensation was happening. So we overhauled that and, but we had, we had locked in a really good entry process. And so that for us ended up being, um, a huge turning point. We started to kind of look at everything a little bit differently and we started to do a little bit more of a robust onboarding process. And really for the most part, that started to fix a bunch of those issues, right? Um, people were coming into class more prepared. We had the ability and the opportunity to tell people who couldn't do something like the snatch, what they could do instead prior to coming into a snatch class. And that that is something we're still doing to this day. And, you know, three or four years into it, it's something we're on version like 198 of our entry program. And it just is like, and even still, I mean, one of the big things I've been working on during this whole COVID thing, I'm overhauling it all again. And, you know, the coaches at this point are used to it used to me causing them to have to sort of always stay on edge and forcing them for improvement, improvement, improvement. Um, and so they know that it's always on the table to, to change and get better. Uh, we know what we love about it, but there's still, you know, it's a, I always tell people, it's like, there is a variable that's going to walk in our door tomorrow and we don't know what it is, right? Because people are variables. There's, you're going to get a health piece. You're going to get, um, you know, a movement thing you've never seen before, an injury you've never seen before. And that person's going to walk in the door and they're going to, you know, throw a wrench in everything that you thought that you had a um, contingency built in for, but you don't. And so, so that happens, right? And there's, you know, we had, we've had, we can go on for days and days about. Let me the, ask you this. I'm very curious. I, I love this because I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this and nodding their head like they know exactly what it is. That snatch night that you had, let's say, you know, you have that same imam hit now in 2020. Or do you guys, do you still find examples of that style of class happen where you're like, oh, no, 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 this is a perfect reason why I have to, like, what prompts you to want to overhaul, you know, improving things? You know, you have the two theories, right? Like, right. Uh, you have, like, don't fix what's not broke, and then you have, like, constantly evolve and improve. Right. Do you still have those classes like the Snatch one, maybe not to the same degree, that prompt these overhauls? 
Uh, yes and no. Uh, so do we have classes that prompt an overhaul? I would actually say it's probably more we have a person who prompts an overhaul less than a class now, which is, which is, I think, a good problem to have. So, um, you know, it's, it's much more, we have somebody come in and they are maybe in a class and everybody else might be dialed in, but this person comes in and like, they're a total train wreck for whatever reason it might be. And, and a train wreck can be a million different things. Maybe, maybe they're ripping their shirt off and like boasting and bragging, talking shit to other people. And it's like, dude, we don't, that doesn't happen here anymore. Why is that person doing that? And so then we might have to overhaul like our onboarding process for people coming in from other gyms. Um, you know, and you work with Brandon and Brandon and I are, are very, uh, different, different, um, demographics, psychographics, um, very, very different areas of town. And, you know, Brandon runs a fantastic gym. And had they been on my end of town, when I first started CrossFit, I would be a member of their gym. And, um, you know, who knows what would have happened. But, um, but every now and again, we'll get people who come from that young 20 something, highly competitive, hardcore CrossFit. And, and, you know, they'll move out to the suburbs because they got married or whatever. And, um, you know, you have to maybe take help, help that person take a couple steps back. And so we build that into our experienced, um, you know, gym transfer uh, person coming in. And so, you know, that's more what we see. It's not really like the whole class is a clusterfuck. Uh, we've sort of figured that out, but it is much more on that. Like that person stands out like a sore thumb. Everybody else seems dialed in, but that person over there is not who's their coach. And that's the question. And then it's a personal dialogue with the coach of where, where did we fail? How could we have seen this coming? Did we not vet this the right way? You know, what is it? And so we put a bunch of protocols in place with that stuff. Um, and that stuff pisses people off sometimes, but it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I've, uh, on that note, I've not to a flaw. I've found myself, if it's a minority problem, like you got, like you said, that one person in class, I, uh, I, I used to do the same thing. I used to be like, okay, now I got to fit. Like, I don't want that to happen again. That one person. And I've, I've become very global in this, in this approach of like, all right, that's an outlier that, that, that's a one, that's a one in a hundred scenario. And I, yep. I will not take the time and waste it on the one in a hundred. And right. there's flaws to that, that mindset. I'm not advocating this mindset. Um, and where everything I go to is I'd rather be, you know, I want to do really good for the majority than awesome fucking awesome for a minority. Right. And I go back and forth in these paradigms as a business owner. Do you ever like look back at like, you know, when you go back to that snatch day and it's like, can you build enough infrastructure to like, and I have this conversation all the time, but can you build enough infrastructure around teaching the Olympic lifts to gen pop? Is there always going to be a crack in the boat? Like, is there, is there always a crack someone's going to slip through just due to the nature of the complexity of some of the exercises you utilize in CrossFit? Yeah, I, I think there there's always going to be. I, I mean, unless and we, I mean, we've gone both spectrums. I mean, we've had you know CrossFit Games level teams and individuals, multiple people going, and I've coached all those ends and competed in those ends. And we've gone the the opposite route of where we are now. Um, and in both scenarios, you're you're just not able to fully check that block. I think all the way. Um, there's always going to be a couple holes in the boat with that, with just by the nature of Olympic lifting. And so the question that we ask now is really, really to what end, you know, and a lot of it is just so goal centric and, uh, you know, we can dive really deep down into that path of like, you know, what is, uh, people, one of the things we've found, and as we start getting into new model stuff, I'll tell you sort of my philosophy on how it's, 
it's freeing people from sort of this prison of belief that kipping and snatching and stuff matters. Um, and there's like this, there's this pressure that I think sometimes is placed on people. And a lot of what it is, is it's, it's the, it's this scenario, right? It's, it's, you've got your, your girl Sally's over here, right? And then your guy Mark's over here, right? And, you know, Mark's about to step up to, you know, a, a 350 pound squat clean. And, you know, you know that he's been just grinding and working to get this weight, but he's ultra elite. And then Sally over there is working on 75 pounds and her, you know, she's still not getting under the bar and getting into a full squat. And you as a coach, they're going to lift at the same time. You're walking up and, we know what happens, right? You're going to watch Mark and there's going to be sort of this celebration and he's going to like drop his belt, throw his belt and give a bunch of high fives. And the whole class is going to be eyes on him. And Sally over here got under the bar for the first time and nobody saw it and nobody's paying attention to it. And she goes and looks for the coach because she's juiced up about it. And the coach is over there high-fiving Mark. So when you build that into a process of somebody's brain, they are going to think that, Oh, more weight, more performance means I'll get more attention from the coach, from the community, from this, from that. And so then they start wanting and desiring that. And it's sort of this, this then sort of never ending pressure um, put on those people to, to want to say that, that that's what they want to work on. So we've worked really hard in our consultation process our goal setting process to try to get people to say, almost the opposite of what we used to. We used to try to get them to tell us their performance goals. And we try to go the exact opposite route is we want to know what your lifestyle goals are now. And we want to look at, you know, where, you, where do you want to be five or 10 years from now? What are the things that, um, you know, are really important to you outside of the gym? And we have a lot of these conversations and it's, it's, it's totally different end. And with our programming and the class structure that we're going to and that we've been working on and the communication that we've been having, once people are in it for a little while, you see them freed from that and it's really liberating for people. Um, they feel really good about uh, being able to just work out again to kind of work out. So where do you think that origin, like, is that our fault? Do we bring that origin of that psychological disconnect? Like do most, did people walk into CrossFit gyms being, no, no, I'm performance driven. I'm what, or do we build the importance? You mentioned it like, I, you know, we don't really feel this importance on kipping as much anymore. We really don't care maybe how heavy your snatch is. Did anybody walk in the door to get that? Or because it was the early days of CrossFit and even the mid to, you know, 2010, to at least even call it 2016, they came in and that's what we kind of indoctrinated. And we didn't like maybe hand them a piece of paper that says kipping and your snatch is important. Yeah. But we were a CrossFit gym. We By got excited actions. and watched the games. Yep. We, we applauded the, the elite kids who had been around for a while and could do 50 butterfly kipping pull-ups. And yep. we created a value system around these movements. And then I think a lot of us have gotten kind of away from the sex factor of it and been like, yeah. I don't know if I really got the pick, would I want everyone to be able to do five strict pull-ups or would I want someone to be able to do a kipping bar muscle up? Probably go with pull-ups. Right. Like, you know, like, and now it's like, fuck, well, now I got to re-educate and we all know re-educating a market is harder than educating from Jump Street. Right. Now, the reason I bring it up is just so interesting because I was in the same world you were in. Like, I, same thing. And now it's just so different. Whereas, 
and we'll talk about this with what Jeff's done with Thrive. Jeff, very much like what Steve did, and I, I know you really were able to relate to Steve Pinkerton's story. Yeah, when he was very generous with his time when we came down to Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, like his story of having CrossFit here and Evo Fit here, and the very unique model that has to happen for that to exist harmoniously. And then you have, you know, on the opposite end, like maybe like um, myself or maybe Brandon or whatever, like Colin, like just got rid of the CrossFit thing and now it does something that different. And now it's just so, it's so insane. I, this, I see this psychological profile of a different client avatar come in and yep. it's not the same client avatar of a CrossFit gym. And I realize I look back and I'm like, fuck, everything that I, the reason I switched away from CrossFit is because I created a problem with CrossFit. Had I started from 2000 and a 10, you know, 2009, and I would not have put such an importance on it. I wouldn't have built up a library of touch points, brand touch points around right. this so that my current membership base, when the new people came in, what indoctrinates current clients more than your, your established clients? Cause you might have PT first for five to 10 sessions, but guess what? They eventually go in the group class and every day, every touch point where current members have touch points with these new members, they are indoctrinating them into the brand. Right. And I was like, I had the same thing. I'm like, man, we haven't been forcing people to kip and do snatches forever. Why are some of my newer clients still wanting to do that? Like, Oh, yeah. Cause I have 199 clients in here yeah. that believe this certain paradigm that I created six years ago. Right. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the analogy that I use all the time is uh, you know, I just coached an eighth grade basketball season this past winter and Steph Curry. So what do these kids do? Practice time comes up. What do these kids want to go and do? They want to chuck up three pointers, 20 feet yeah. behind the arc. Right. And Steph Curry, if you listen to him talk, he's going to tell you like, no, spend time dribbling with your left hand, work on your left hand layups, like build the fundamentals, work on this, work on that. Like he's sitting there telling you there's no coach at the NBA who's sitting there going to tell an eighth grade kid to do all this and that. But they see the reward that Steph Curry becomes famous, that he does the, he gets the oohs and ahs of the crowds and it's all the announcers freak out when he does these things. And the kids, regardless of what your voice is saying, they are watching this happen in real time and they aspire to that. And I think that's the thing that we did as, as CrossFit gyms and CrossFit coaches, regardless of what you want to like, how much you can help it when some, like when a girl's going for a 200 pound clean or somebody gets their first muscle up, regardless of what's going, uh, what else is going on, the eyes go there. And regardless of if you go over and tell Sally, like, listen, you just got to work on building up that strict pull up. And if you spend the time and if you do this and if you do that, she's still just going to be in that boat of like, yeah, I just want to rip on the bar and try some muscle ups. Um, because that's what the, the all-star athlete that they go and see that they see get all this attention from everybody. Um, you know, that's what's, that's what's put on, you know, these documentaries. I just saw, I guess I just saw today. It's like one of the most watched documentaries. I'm like, they're still coming out with these. I, I stopped watching them because they're all the same. Um, but you know, it's, it's your actions and what you celebrate. I tell our coaches all the time, what you celebrate is going to be what people aspire to. If we celebrate people getting off prescription drugs and, you know, we celebrate the, the achievements of a strict pull up and some of these things, people will aspire to get better at those things. And if you are constantly talking to people about, um, the movements that we know are going to bear very little fruit in terms of what people actually want from a lifestyle, from an aesthetic, from a health perspective. Um, you know, it, it, there, there is no difference between 
somebody health wise, you know, who's doing a bunch of bar muscle ups and isn't doing a bunch of bar muscle ups. Um, and so when you start to break those things down, we, we try to be very intentional with what we celebrate, how we celebrate it and how we communicate to people, um, on, on our days during our programming. And like you said, we still have, you know, well, we had now, you know, you lose a bunch of people during COVID who knows how many of those people are going to come back. But, um, but you know, you lose some of those people. So for us, that's, you know, I'm looking at this time as, as a huge, huge positive. And I hope other gym, gym people who are working on improving their model are, um, because for us, it allows us to get our brand and some of this stuff in lockstep where we were really struggling to get some of those, you know, you said you had 200, 200 clients who are still adopting that old model and indoctrinating all these people in, um, you know, we were struggling to figure out how we were going to really, you know, could you know bring our two models that because we opened our new facility with the, the dream model that we wanted to run um and our old facility was was sort of you know half in half out let's talk about that a little talk about the transition to the new facility was it uh we're growing we have to get bigger is because we have different ideas talk walk everybody through that yeah so um my business partner Grant is a—I mean, he's—he's he's a one-of-a-kind, truly unique business mind. Um, he owns multiple different businesses and is—is is a true entrepreneur at heart. And you know, this for me has sort of been my MBA. Um, I, I've learned everything that I can possibly learn about. I mean, any corner of business, stocks, real estate, um, you know, banking, all these different things from, from this business. And that was always how we approached it was I was looking at going into the joint JD MBA program at Ohio state. And so was grant. And so we decided to open this business as, as, as in lieu of that, right. Knowing that we would have to learn a bunch about, um, legal this and that and all these things. So, um, so in our goal of that, in our pursuit of that, um, you know, we really wanted to think about how do we increase enterprise value? What are, what are different options available to us, uh, to start to walk down this path and take this company forward, knowing that Grant wants to be a, a venture capitalist in the near future. And that's his goal. And so this as is sort of like his, we're sort of like his Petri dish and he just gets to like play and, and kind of see and uh, tinker. And, you know, for us, we had, we had purchased the building we were in. Um, you know, we were, we were running a, um, maybe I'm sure that you could probably squeeze out a better profit, but we were running almost a 30% profit margin in an 11,000 square foot building. Um, that's, and for those of you guys who don't know, that's, that's fucking stellar. Like I, I know of a handful of locations ever that brick and mortar with the typical overhead and payroll that are going to squeeze out 30%. That's, that's phenomenal. And we were doing that with a full-time staff where, I mean, I really, for the most part, I probably could, I could have gone into whatever retirement, however you want to look at that. And for us, it was one of those things where it was like, I like, I have no desire to do that. I don't know. I don't know what I would do with my time. Um, if I did that. Um, and so instead, you know, of, of just pocketing that 30, that 30% in, in, paying taxes on and all those other things. Uh, for us, it was it, like, instead of paying this huge tax nut to 
the man, uh, you know, the government this past year, we were like, well, let's, let's look at increasing or what, well, you know, what does Amazon do? <laughs> like what, how do these companies not pay any taxes and they increase their enterprise value. So they go out and they buy more buildings, they buy more equipment and they take all of that profit and they basically just put it right into the total value of the company and you don't pay any taxes on that money. And so from a business perspective, that was sort of where our thought process was, is like, hey, we could either owe 20 or $30,000 this year in, in taxes uh, and take all that out as profit, which to us didn't seem like, I don't know, it didn't seem fun. <laughs> like it didn't. And then for us, it was like, or we have this dream, we have this vision, we have people who are awesome, who want to coach for us, who have told us they want more opportunity, they are they are ready to quit their full time jobs. And they want to come on and, and be like our other coaches who are awesome. Like our, our, our Dublin coaches are I mean, I put them up against anybody in the industry in terms of a team of like five or six people. They're as dialed in of individuals as you can have. And so they were very aspirational to a couple of our other people who are interested in changing professions. So we had the desirable staff. We had the model we knew we wanted to run. And so at that point, then we really just started looking for buildings. Um, and that was a very long, very shitty process that did not go well at all for a long time. Uh, and we had actually pretty much all but given up and our poor real estate agent who had spent a stupid amount of time, um, we just basically told him, hey man, we're just gonna curb it for now. There just seems to be nothing. And he calls us literally like three weeks after that and goes, hey guys, I was just closing a deal over here. I think I might have an opportunity for you. And when we walked into this building, this is this building was the dream scenario. It was the, it was the most opportunistic thing that you could ever imagine. And it was, you know, 30% under market value because it was owned by this church network in California who hadn't paid taxes on it and didn't owe any taxes and was just sitting on this building. And basically, so like in Ohio, there's all these rural Ohio um, Sunday morning church services, right? And they have all these TV towers and it used to be on channel 34 on, you know, just over the air. And it would broadcast out church services to people in rural Ohio. And that's what this place was, but now they do it all over the internet, right? And so these, this, this whole building is this TV studio is what it is. And um, it, it, it's been sitting dormant for like two years. They didn't put it on the market. Nobody cared about it because it's this built, you know, multi-billion dollar church network. And, and so, but uh, when our real estate agent saw it, he inquired into it and called the people and they were like, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you guys can take that off the books. Uh, let's let, yeah. let's just see what we paid for it. And we were just right like, place, right time, man. Serendipity right. is a motherfucker. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that was really all it was. Was we were just looking to, um, you know, for me, it's not. Um, it's really hard to explain. Like, I guess, sort of my thought process towards towards business or towards growth. Um, I just, I just want to learn. Like, that's really all I care about. Like I, I, I want to, <clears throat> I would hate to have everything for lack of a better way to put it. I would hate to sit there with a the business and be like, cool, we got it to this point. I can kind of chill now and I can kind of kick it off to the curb and I can make my 30%. Um, and I'm not really required to learn or grow or fail uh, or try new things anymore. Um, I'm not pushed to that edge. Like I'm not pushed to that limit. Uh, that's not really who I am. And when I gave, when I got out of the army and when I gave up competing, when I did these things, like I needed a next thing. Um, and when I stopped kind of competing in CrossFit, that next thing for me was sort of was, was this like, and, um, and so I, I sort of look at it as, 
um, I, I want to push it. Like I'm just a person who wants to push it. And so that was the only possible way when you're at a point where you're filling up your parking lot, Joanne Fabrics parking lot and uh, the gym and pet store behind you's parking lot every night at your one facility. Like you're, you're just kind of like, I don't know how much more we can go here. Like, sure. you're, you're, and then you're just trying to, you know, I guess milk profit, but that just seems, that and seems the, silly. The thing I love about your previous statement about wanting to continuously grow and I don't want to just sit back and collect my 30%. Here's the thing though. There are some people that that is a goal and I let sure. them know like good news the market will never let you do it anyway. Even if your plan had been to do that, guess what? Something changes. You know, Peloton, COVID, coaches leaving. Like there's always something that changes that never allows you to really kick. Like there's periods you kick yeah. your feet up. Yep. I, I, I've definitely enjoyed about a good 24 month, 18 month period of, of you know, when this CrossFit South End was just cruising. Definitely enjoyed less work yep. and more play. But most people like, I don't want to, you know, I I just want to kick them like, I wouldn't chase it because it doesn't exist indefinite. It's it's a moment in time, right? Right. Only that, you know, there's always gonna be something that's going to change. You're like, fuck, I got to reach, I got to update this whole thing. I got to change the way we do that. And, you know, this experience we're going through now is, is a perfect example of that. So at what point, you see a new facility, you purchase it, you get into the land acquisition thing, you now have, you now have got this nice hard leveled asset. Talk to me about Thrive. Cause I think that's, yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to write off like, fuck, I can't buy anything. And I, I want to make sure they understand that you're, you're, you did it. You did very smart in my opinion. You, I, I love that you, um, you obviously love that you purchased, but then because I'm more intimately uh, involved in it, I want you to break it down for everybody else. At what point of that? Okay. This is a new thing. I'm sorry. I got this real estate company now, essentially. And, and now, and now a sustainability I've, I'm doing well, I'm crushing this CrossFit thing. Right. Why, why thrive? Why bring thrive into it and talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, for us, it's actually, it's twofold and you and I haven't talked too much since, but it's thrive, thrive and build, um, are, are sort of, um, you know, the, the big things I don't know, is, is build, do you do a build who's build from? Build, uh, so, uh, I know a John Murray at altitude athletics is a build. Is okay. it a functional yeah. bodybuilding class? Yeah. Uh, Solace yeah. in New York has a build. Okay. Um, yeah. yep. So I don't know where, you know, it's, it's those same things. Like I do a ton of I always trying to do market research for name stuff. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, totally both those names, um, you know, stolen. So, uh, oh, yeah. well, the first person ever used to have in a class stole it from somewhere. Like, right. like well, there's a thrive, there's a thrive CrossFit in Indianapolis who actually some of our old, um, our old members and they, they run a competition and actually, uh, we were talking to them a bunch and, uh, actually we're talking to them without knowing to the name, the name of the gym. And, uh, Grant at the time was actually actually talking about trying to trademark thrive and I just go and then, and then we had this conversation and I go oh that was interesting <laughs> those are the guys who you're trying to fuck <laughs> and so um so anyway so um so yeah so thrive for us um is you know really the the goal for build and thrive um is to have a focused training hour is is what we're talking about so um you know you always talk about how your elevator pitch and and that's what i talk about it it, for us it's it's you need a focused training hour to get better at what you want to get better at so it's super easy if we talk to crossfitters and um they're looking at transferring to our gym it's what do you want to get better at and they say well i want to squat 300 pounds Awesome. How much time do you spend a week back squatting right now? And they're like, Oh, I don't know, maybe maybe 20 minutes once a week. I'm like, awesome. Do you think 20 minutes once a week is enough to get you better at something? Right. And they're, 
kind of like, well, no. And I'm like, awesome. If you came to us, you'd have three focused hours a week specifically on that goal. Right. And, and you can have that conversation that's, you know, that's build. And, um, you know, the same thing goes for weight loss, right? You want to lose weight right now. Awesome. That's fantastic. Have you, tell me if you've ever experienced this before. Are you ever going to a CrossFit gym and they spend like 55 minutes lifting and then you do like some five minutes of burpees and something else. And you kind of leave and you're like, did that, help me lose weight. Like I'm not even in shape enough to be able to do burpees fast. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, you get somebody who's really overweight, like how fast is that person able to do, you know, burpees and thrusters or burpees and deadlifts? Like they're not moving fast enough on, on burpees to even really be able to net that gain. Um, you know, we did, uh, you know, we'll do a 50 burpee for time or a hundred burpee for time test sometimes. And, um, or, you know, you do it the opposite. You do five minutes and you see how many you can get. And like, you'll, you'll hear people in our, our thrive class. Obviously we don't do that, uh, in that class specifically, but those, those people, when we do time tested burpees, like they might get like 22 and you're like, the stimulus goal is to get like a hundred plus. Right. Um, and when you're starting to look into some of those things, like I think you're lying to yourself. If you're going to tell somebody who, who is, you know, we have people who are three and 400 pound diabetics. Like if you're looking at somebody who is a three and 400 pound diabetic, if you can actually legitimately look at them and tell them that snatching then a quick five minute AMRAP is going to be the best thing for them to achieve their goals in your facility. I think you're just full of shit. shit. And that to me, I, I, I'm a big person. Like, I'm integrity is, is everything to me. And I felt, I, I felt inauthentic talking to people and looking at them in the face and knowing that them coming to the gym that day was actually not the best thing for them. And so that was a part of this same process. The workout you were delivering was not the best thing for them. Coming to the right. gym was the right, yeah, right, right, right. You right, just right. weren't giving them the right weapon. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, you know, you couldn't come on Thursday when we did a 35, 40 minute, uh, workout. You, you were, you know, you had to watch your kids. You had to, whatever. Friday was the day that you could come and Friday just happens to be, um, you know, heavy deads and then, you know, a quick AMRAP at the end. Um, and so for me, that started to feel inauthentic. And as we started to see our, you know, our consultations, we take a lot of data for our initial entry. And that data continues on for their first three and six months. And it's, it's a questionnaire, it's a consultation, and we try to collect all of these things. And as those started to go more and more down that path of, I really have this one specific thing that I'm trying to get. It's either I'm trying to gain muscle or I'm trying to lose fat. And there's so much, I mean, there's some in-betweens and there's some other little things here and there. But when that becomes 90, 95%, it's like we need a clear, definitive line that is that class over there is for that and that class over there is for that. And it's, and it's really easy to articulate. It's much easier to brand and market. And you're able to have those little elevator pitches that go very cleanly into a new prospect and, and your experienced people as well. Um, and so that was where we started to do this. Um, and so that's, that's our Lewis Center model. So basically the way that we run is we run that Monday through Friday. We run those two classes and those are the, the offerings and they run simultaneously and you get to walk in. And so one of our other things that we do for our elevator pitches is choice. Like you go into a CrossFit gym, you don't get a choice. You're doing whatever they're doing for the day. We want to provide a choice. So every day that you walk in, I can go to studio A or I can go to studio B. I love deadlifting, so I'm going to go over here, even though I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm going to go over there the other four times uh, per week. And so it's a very different model than, you know, where you guys are trying to go. 
you know, operational capacity is key, but given the buildings that we have, that we are obviously locked into and personally financially guaranteed on, um, we need to be running, you know, two classes at those, at those times, much like Steve at EvoFit. When you have that much space, you need really three, maybe even four spaces running at a time during your peak hours so that you can get 60, 80, a hundred people in there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're running that, a volume based model at that point. Right. Exactly. And so 60, 80, 100 people all doing one CrossFit class, I think is a losing game uh, for a million reasons. You know, how many coaches do you need? Are you going to program snacks, snatches with 80 people and you're just running like 40 lines down yeah. the road? You can't um, get one group of 100 people, one thing they're all going to like, but you can right. get four groups of 25 people, right. four things they all like. Yeah, exactly. And, and so for us, yeah, you take build, thrive, teens, and then like go. a small group of personal training. I want to um, touch on, so one thing people that I don't think you understand it, a lot of people listen to my shit are solely understanding it. CrossFit on the spectrum of fitness methodologies, it, no matter how you cut it up, you can't, you, at some point you accept your own, you accept that you're full of shit and you realize it sits on this far end of the spectrum. You have to really want it. You have yep. to have a very specific mindset and goals that relate to CrossFit based goals. Yep. Now it's you, what you did is you said, okay, I'm, we know we offer this on this side and we do it very well. We arguably, arguably do it best in Columbus. So in order to complement that, if that's peanut butter, I've got to offer jelly. Right, I've got to offer the opposite side of the spectrum to eat it out. What I see too much of is like we do CrossFit really well, hardcore competitive CrossFit, whatever, and we're going to go in and offer an Olympic weightlifting class, and that's only a couple ticks away from your CrossFit, right. if that. Or yeah. we're going to offer a three days a week just a, a boot camp class. It's just a couple ticks away right. from that CrossFit thing. Whereas with Thrive, from its brand approach, its messaging, its everything, it is the true opposite in the spectrum. So when right. someone comes in and they have Studio A or Studio B to pick from, it's very easy to pick. And and that's what I that's what I want people to realize. Those of you guys that are creating LBE low barrier entries, meaning. I come into the gym and I have this low barrier one I can go or a higher barrier one. And maybe there's prerequisites, PT first, whatever it may be, but they need to be so far apart. It's a clear decision. You're like, I don't know. That's pretty much, they're pretty much the same. Just one uses barbells and one doesn't. That's not enough. Right. It has to feel, look, smell, taste, and be story told by the participants completely differently. Right. Yeah. And it, so you, uh, like me, I think still love and see the value in CrossFit. Sure. Um, and I, I am such a, a huge proponent of it for the right people. And so what I thought then, and, and Grant and I, we actually had, so we drove to Charlotte when we came down for uh, the self-made summit. So we had seven hours roughly in the car going back. And, and this is what we did for the entire yeah, I wish you would have audio recorded the entire Oh, it would have been so good. Been a killer I, podcast. I came back and I mean, we have a, our Excel sheet uh, f that we were typing up in the car is I think like three sheets of like 300 cells each. Um, but um so we were like, okay, so where does CrossFit make sense? How does CrossFit make sense? In what, in what medium it, does it fit into this model at all or do you chop it completely? And so what we wanted it to be was we wanted it to be something where, okay, you know, 
for us, we live in Columbus, Ohio State football, the greatest football team on the planet. If you're ever talking to anybody SEC, there is no argument. There is no – nobody's even on the same level. It's a shame that college football is not going to be able to see what Ohio State – What Ohio State can do, do yeah. This year. Um, but anyway, uh, that's just my little jab uh, out there for, for everybody. And I, and, um, I, and I echo it a thousand fucking <laughs> Yeah, right. I figured we could, we could get on and just talk about uh, – we, we just turned this entire podcast into Ohio State fucking <laughs> yeah. post-urban now you're gonna listen Buckeye. to how great the Buckeyes are. It's that in Silicon Valley. We could have just done those two things. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. That Jeff totally Jeff turned me on to Silicon Valley at the very end of the self-made summit. I remember sitting down at your table, we're shooting the shit, and you're like, bro, listen. I know you don't watch a lot of whatever. You got to watch this. I bet you it wasn't even four weeks later. I had binge watched all yep. of Silicon Valley. Yep. You know, I, I and I bring it up. It's almost like Seinfeld ask where you bring, it comes up so situationally yeah. now, just with like with everybody now, like working from home and, and yeah, yeah. this. We had the conversation today on on our like gym chat. We were talking about um, people setting up dividers, and I go cubicles. You're talking about cubicles. Like, <laughs> well, my burn rate. I've been literally. That's my big. Like I'm doing burn rate analysis and runway analysis now yeah, for right. gyms. Like here's your current draft. You're drafting 30k a month, and yep. based on your average client value, this is your runway of how many clients you can lose before we're profitless and we have to right. go to defcon one which is dropping member or uh, staff salary to this and the right. defcon two is you got to cut the like it's all, and it yep. all just comes from watching silicon valley yeah it's such a great show because it actually does kind of teach you something about about business also yeah. oh yeah um, absolutely does so i love that but anyway so so when we were talking about uh this you know you think about ohio state football they have a game on Saturdays, they practice all week, right? And so our methodology was the same for CrossFit is like, look, we, we're going to put a game on Saturday, right? We're going to give them the opportunity, but we want it to be easy to avoid. We want it to be easy to attend, right? So we're going to put in a couple times, but if you're not into it, if you're a thriver build guy, like you just, Hey, I'm a scrawny guy. I want to put on muscles. So I'm in build right now. And all I care about is lifting so and getting big bodybuilding, strength training, periodization, tempo, Correct. that kind of stuff. Yep. Exactly. Lots of tons of tempo. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, or if you're a, I'm, I'm weight loss and CrossFit's not my thing. I don't want to kip. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Um, so we still offer build and thrive on Saturdays. And then we offer a benchmark or, you know, a, an open workout or a hero workout sure. or something, something where the crossfitters can rah rah behind. Right. And throttle yourself up. And my whole methodology with this is, you know, is the same with a regular everyday CrossFit class. Like if the best thing, nobody ever went in as hard just on a normal Tuesday class as they would in an open workout. And that was what CrossFit was built on was this methodology of you're going to come and you're going to give this one thing true 100% and you're going to get that Fran lung and you're going to just absolutely destroy yourself one day a week. Right. And that's the thing that's sort of been lost is the intensity is not there. So people aren't doing CrossFit even the right way anymore. Everybody's gotten into this malaise when you go into and walk into a normal CrossFit gym, you watch them. It's like, all right, guys, Hey, today the Metcon's going to be three rounds of this, 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 and you watch people and they're just going through the fucking motions. That's not what CrossFit was supposed to be. Um, the whole idea of increasing work capacity and really making sure that your power output and intensity is the focus is lost inside of most of the strength and Metcon class structure that's out there. And so we wanted to set up an opportunity for people where it's like, look, you got this date on Saturday and it's a date with DT. 
And this workout is going to require everything you've got. And so we're going to show up. We're going to go over all the movement patterns, efficiency. We're going to talk strategy. We're going to warm up. We're going to overweight the warm up so you can come back down. And we're going to prioritize you hitting DT as hard as you possibly can. And then if you do that right, that's going to fuck you up. And then you're going to have to take a couple days to recover. And then you're going to go back into a Monday through Friday training regimen. And yeah. that's going to be build and thrive and whatever you literally throttled up your CrossFit and then you just, and you throttle up this other program. And I love how you said it's easy to attend, but the most important part, if you guys were listening to me, said easy to avoid. Right. And it, that is, again, it's you getting out of your own way. You are a CrossFitter. That is your preferred fitness methodology and you're all in on it. So you're allowing people who are also that way that you service throttle it the fuck up to the point where they're probably looking forward to a, a regular good training day coming Monday, right? right. And you right. can even use the word training because you have these game days on Saturdays as you exactly. put it, which I think is very eloquent. I love it. And then the people who are just like, this is just the thing I'm going to do because I just want to go get margaritas after this at brunch with my friends. I'm, right. I'm, I really don't care about fitness all that much. I'm just here so I don't hate myself. Uh, we have a, a huge group who does that every Saturday. Yeah, like, it's mimosas, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they go out and then they can hit this. And, and that is what I want people to understand is here's the thing though. How big is your current facility? Uh, 11,000. 11,000 square feet. So for those of you guys who are going to blow up an inbox um, of mine at some point here with your low barrier entry idea and you want my take on it, my first question is generally how big is the building? Because I truly believe in order to create two different experiences, you got to have two different spaces. You can't literally like, well, I take the bio boxes and I put them down the middle of the gym and to the right is this and to the left is that. And and again, if you're big enough, I think that works. But if you're 3,000 square feet, I think it right. doesn't because right. you've got to create two different experiences. And you went out to Steve's, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And man, so, what a facility. I tell everybody now, go take a pilgrimage. It's worth seeing. You and me think we have fucking like uh, real oh estate headaches. God. That motherfucker's oh. got real estate headaches. Did you have you, I assume you've gone into the guy who built it, who oh, has yeah. a corner oh, suite. A hundred percent. Oh my God. It's That's immaculate. my dream. I changed my goal for life to just have an office like that. One like day. that. I know. Because right. It's incredible. Yeah, Steve's, Steve's silly, silly. Uh, uh, he he has done so much good, and I cannot think of a better dude for good things uh, to have because he's worked so hard, and he's just a yeah. great fucking dude. But, um, you know, I so I I think again, and you guys who you know you poke around, and you you watch on the internet, go and watch what Jeff's done with Friendship Fitness, um, and and thrive and build these other programs as much as you're able to tell from a digital experience. If you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, I want you to go check those things out. And again, it's just, this is a great example of a guy who didn't rebrand what he, he honestly hunkered down harder on his CrossFit brand. He also developed some auxiliary brands and experiences. And those are brands. Like there is a Thrive client who's never going to attend your CrossFit classes. And the way they speak about Thrive is that's brandy. That's what the customer says about your business. That is the brand. It's not what, you know, it's not my pretty logo or anything like that. So you have this one client giving one brand story. And another client giving another brand story, but he does so with separate assets and, you know, areas and staff and experience that it does create two different, it's again, it's like you've kind of become um, what I call like the shopping plaza. You know, there's a shopping plaza right. in Charlotte called Park Road Shopping Plaza. And there is a, uh, a Ter- Harris Teeter grocery store and there is an Ace Hardware. Yeah. Nobody ever says I'm going to shop uh, Park Road Shopping Plaza. They say I'm either going to Harris Teeter, which is a grocery store. I'm going right. to Ace Hardware, which is a hardware store. Two different right. things. Right. And then- I had a great experience at Ace Hardware. Doesn't affect a good or bad experience at Harris Teeter and so on and so forth. And you can separate these two things. And you guys have done it uh, very effectively, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're the idea, like I wish I do wish it was as clean as that. It's it's obviously in practice in practice. It's not quite as quite as uh, clean as that. Um, you know, it's the the thing with all of it is you just have to understand. And I think you've done a great job of, of pinpointing all of uh, the struggles that come with it. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, it's it's you're either going to have problems of trying to improve and change, or you're going to have problems of being stagnant. And, you know, it's, it's so much better to have the former there. Like it's, if you're having growing pains or you're having pains because you're trying to get closer to a model that you really believe is better, um, that's such a better pursuit than having the pains of, you know, like, Oh, well, like, you know, we've just been running the same model forever and now people are getting bored and burned out. And so they're leaving. And it's just like, well, that's, it's a different problem. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, a customer's leaving, right. For maybe whatever reason. Um, but at least in the one end, you're walking closer to what you believe in. And so I'm a big believer in that conviction piece where it's like, you need to be able to look at every single client and say, I think that this is, you know, the best place for you specifically. Right. Even like, this is like you mentioned earlier, like, um, you know, clients are going to, clients are going to buy into the program when they truly believe you're bought in the program. And I, and I get scared when gyms are like, Oh my God, Evo fit thrive, uh, lift and move. Like, Oh my God, I'm totally, that's what I'm going to do. It's gonna make me money. I'm like, but would you do it? Right. Like, Oh, well no, I mean, still do cross him. Like then don't go all in on it. Right. Don't go yeah. all people think maybe uh, like me and Deuce and Isaac do CrossFit workouts in the middle of the day. Like not a chance, like not a, like I, I, I was in here early one day and I had some clients come in for the coffee shop. It's for Saturday classes and you know, it's 7am or 8am in the morning. Like our classes until nine 30, I'm knocking out a workout. I'm literally sitting there and I'm doing a hundred strict pull-ups at tempo for time. And they sat in here and I didn't even see them to like rep 70. And I, I finish. I come out and they're like, Holy shit. I'm like, what? And like, you actually like do the stuff that we do. And I'm like, the fuck do you think this is? But like, that was a thought process in some of these guys that, oh, he still does CrossFit. Yeah. And it, and it, I, I guarantee you I got plus four brand equity points when they saw that, <laughs> like whatever you, that equates to, they're yeah. like, they believed in it even more because they saw the creator or one of the iconic figures of the brand also doing it. Well, and that's, that's how Grant and I knew we were onto something. When we opened Lewis Center in this model, both of us only worked out at Lewis Center in the new model. And it actually got to a point where we were just like, you're like looking at, you're like, okay, like I know, I know I should go to Dublin and I know I probably should go take a CrossFit class or I should go see these people. But when you start looking at it and just going, no, like I, I don't want to, like that's, that's just not, that's not for me anymore. And you know, over here I can get exactly what I want today and yeah. over here I can't. Um, and that to me was, was so telling. Um, and, and that, that, I mean, you know, you're always trying things and you're like, you're kind of sure, you know, and if you do it long enough and you've been doing it for 10, 11, 12, 15 years and you've seen models and you can think about it and talk about it and and it takes time to build, um, you're going to be closer than somebody who's only been doing it for two years, um, who doesn't maybe understand as much, but once you start experiencing it and you watch other people experience it and you can hear their thought processes, um, then you start knowing like, okay, like we're really, we're really on to something here. Like sure. this is, this is definitely something that I can get behind. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I love, man, I love what you've done. I, you know, anytime we talk in, um, I, I liked speaking when you got with you guys, especially I've always enjoyed our chats because they're, um, 
they're always very well thought out. You're very thoughtful about everything. Uh, Grant was the first time I ever got to meet him in person. I always heard about him, but the first time I got to meet him in person was when you guys came up to the self-made summit. I, I, I would love to even do an entire another podcast with the two of you guys because partnerships are generally vilified in, oh, in yeah. this world. Like, like, Oh, don't have a partner. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, They'd be like, don't ever date or get married. I know a guy who got divorced. Like it's that kind of yeah. a scenario. And I'm like, I don't think you understand most successful businesses, most, most have partnerships. Yeah. I, I, you I as mean, a single individual have flaws. Oh, I can't. I mean, I, we, I just don't think we would have ever even survived past a couple of years if it wasn't for, for Grant. Um, and our partnership is so... Um, perfect if for lack of a better way to put it like he sure. is he is this pure, yeah exactly and he he is he is his whole day job so he he day trades uh natural gas is is what his main job is um so he he owns a natural gas company and he worked in a natural gas field before that and so he's he's basically day trades but his whole job is just risk mitigation right and risk reward and that's it um just like any day trader and so he is ultra risk adverse, ultra debt adverse. And he, he knows all of these different things. And he had, he had opportunities to go into wall street and do all this different stuff. And so he's an incredibly intelligent individual. Um, but you know, I'm coming from the army where I'm training, you know, tomb sentinels at Arlington cemetery, which has literally, I never opened an Excel sheet in my life. Right. Yeah. And so it's pure and you come leadership. From mentality doesn't fit punch it through like right yeah for sure and so we're just polar polar opposites and so when when you start you know merging those we you know we were friends um before i had left for the army and before you know before he had gone off to ou and um and so to come back together and have that opportunity um i mean i can't i can't say enough it's it's you know we've never he's it's so easy for us to just say he, he literally will just go that ball's in your court you know, I trust you, whatever you decide. It, yeah. And that's the same thing, it, you know, that it, with this stuff, man, like with all the, with all the COVID stuff and, and PPP and bankers and SBA and all those things. I mean, he, so he thought he had COVID. We're still not sure because he couldn't get a test. Um, and you know, he, so he's like on his, I mean, he's like in bed with a, with a laptop at home and, um, and he's doing everything. He's talking to the bankers, controlling the SBA. And I'm like, dude, I can take some of that stuff off your plate if you want. Um, but we use this time as a time. So we completely remodeled our, our old Dublin 11 year old facility. Nobody knows yet, but um, we've completely remodeled. We've used this shutdown. We were going to shut down for the entire month of December this year um, to remodel the gym so that both gyms looked identical. Um, and so we we just finished a hundred thousand dollar build out on our Lewis center to get it like really crisp and clean the way that we wanted it. Um, it's a gorgeous facility. We got really lucky that it kind of came with a pretty clean slate. Um, but 11 years of a CrossFit gym in a, in a facility is it beats up on it. Wear and tear. Wear. Oh my God. Yeah, it's bad. So we use this time. We were going to shut down, have to shut down for December. We're going to have to hire all these people. We are going to do this, but now we've got a staff of, you know, 13, 14 people and they're all, you know, still getting paid, but kind of sitting on their butts and they're doing online program. They're doing all the stuff that everybody's doing. Um, but, but we're going to get some manual labor out of you too. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so we completely overhauled the whole facility. So I handled that. I handled the operations, the leadership, all that stuff. And he handled all the financing and yeah. just the way it is. And honestly, one of the two would have had to suffer if it was just me. 
I, I could not have dealt with EIDL and PPP and SBA. Our SBA, this is like people don't know the benefits of owning your own facility. Um, our SBA, the SBA paid for our next six months. So we don't, not deferral, not the, not the rent payment gets tacked on to the back end yep. of, of our loan. The your SBA CDC, just paid it. Yeah. CDC portion of your, would you use a 504 loan? Uh, we're 7A. 7, 7A, yeah. yeah I 7A. did a 504 and I got um, our CDC went ahead and took care of six months of payments there. Cause it, you know, you pretty much for anyone listening uh, at SBA, like my 504, 50% bank, 40% CDC, and then right. 10% me. And between the CDC and the bank, we got a really good deal. Um, yeah. But no, we'll definitely, I want to schedule another time. I want to get Grant on here. I'd love to do a three-way just fucking jamming on partnerships and things like that. I think that's super, super interesting. Um, but uh, Jeff, real quick, because I, I know some people are going to be listening to this and they're going to want some contact information to maybe ask you some questions about how you develop Thrive. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, so you can just email me, jeff at friendshipfitness.com uh, is probably the easiest way. I don't, uh, I don't really do social media. So um, I, uh, I think you and I, we, we talk on Facebook Messenger, you're about it. But I, un, yeah, yeah. I went through and manually unfriended every single person so that I didn't have Facebook anymore and couldn't get back. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, just delete Instagram. So just, yeah, email is usually the easiest way. Just jeff at friendshipfitness.com and, um, and uh, I'll usually get back to people pretty quick on that. Fucking A. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Stay safe, stay sane, wash your damn hands, and uh, we'll be talking again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Awesome, dude.